The Greatest Games Podcast is going international yet again. We can't wait to bring you some new episodes here in the coming weeks from around the globe. Unbelievable experiences, unbelievable conversations coming your way. But we have a great one for you today as well with the incredible Adam Schrager, who has a journey around the country that has landed him back at Fort Lee in New Jersey. Such a great story, such a great man and a great coach. This is yet another one that left us encouraged about the state of basketball and the state of high school sports in this country of ours. But before we get to that episode, remember to check out teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball. We know the seasons are coming up around the country, so go ahead and brush up on your knowledge as a coach at teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball. And Billy Kegler just released episode number 64 of the Competitive Mindset Podcast with Stephanie Hauser of the Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association. I believe that's right, the WIAA. Whether it's right or not, it's an incredible interview. Check it out, the Competitive Mindset Podcast, wherever you get your podcast and on social media at Competitive Pod. Now let's head on into the studio for this week's episode of the Greatest Games Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Oosfield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here as always on the Greatest Games Podcast, a chance for us to catch up with coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, it can be their time as a head coach, a girls coach, a boys coach, an AU coach, a college coach, a high school coach, or even the third coach from the same high school that we've had before. That's true, Chris de Blasio, and it's been a couple of weeks. It's been since uh, September the 1st that we've taken a trip to New Jersey, but our guest today, yes, he's in New Jersey, but boy, oh boy, he I, I might have the most frequent flyer miles of any coach we've had. I don't know if they flew for all these moves or it was United Van Lines, I, Amtrak, I have no idea, but I am interested to learn about all the moves that Fort Lee's head coach, now current head coach, Adam Schrager made. So, Coach Schrager, welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys having me tonight. And like we said, we were talking in the pre-show chatter, Coach, you were the third Fort Lee coach behind the uh, the great John Ziemba and the mediocre James Pugliotti. Who we oh. <laughs> well, those are, those are two good guys. Um, I, I will, you know, say Coach Ziemba has – He's been tremendous to me. You know, he still works at Fort Lee, still coaches girls volleyball. And, you know, coming from out of state and don't know teams to play and don't know much anything except maybe some X's and O's. You know, he has been somebody that if I have a question or need something, you know, I have him on speed dial and, and he has been, been great to me. So, so you know, Coach Ziemba is one hell of a guy. Well, to be honest, he's led you astray because you have not called the Saddlebrook Falcons for a game. <laughs> so <laughs> he led you in the wrong direction there. <laughs> well, we, we talked about it. I believe he was episode 38, Coach Ziemba. Got a chance to meet him in June and just a guy that just exudes coach. He's just a he's just a coach. Like we talked about the, after, I guess it was in July, that we have – 
I believe in the coaching profession, different archetypes that whether you're in New Jersey or Texas or Massachusetts or South Carolina, wherever, there are different people, different names, but the same archetypes. And he is just that coach that when he walks in the room, it's like, oh, that's John Zimba. And everybody goes and talks. And he, like you say, he's extreme, extremely helpful. And I got that from him in, a, uh, in one night just talking to him. Just a great, great fella. Yeah, he, he really is. He really is. And, and he's a great coach. You can see how many wins he has. And I got to go into Fort Lee and, and look up at banners and hear about, you know, Pedro and Sandy Burgos, oh, and, Burgos and, all these, yeah. uh, and all these guys and all these wins. And, you know, uh, Josh uh, so, Ford, who you have on yeah. staff now with you. Yes, correct. And, and so, you know, big shoes to fill. Um, but yeah, John is, is a great guy. So, Coach, why don't you tell the listeners, uh, try to as briefly as you can, take us through your coaching journey, which started in Massachusetts, went to Texas, and then brought you to New Jersey. Well, originally, you know, my my first teaching job was in 1998 in Palm Beach County, Florida. I walked into into Boca Raton Community High School. Uh, I'm a substitute teacher. I don't have a degree in teaching. I have a degree in history. And they, they looked at me and said, hey, do you want to finish out the year um, as a teacher? The teacher took a leave of absence. I said, sure, I needed the money and I'll take the job. So they, they let me teach the rest of the year. And, and they asked me back, surprisingly, the next year to, uh, to, to teach history. And they offered me the freshman boys coaching job. So, so I took it and uh, I was coaching boys basketball and they had one gym and sometimes it's Florida. We're practicing outside. Um, you know, uh, I, I try to tap back into my high school coach uh, playing days, is, but I, I really I couldn't say, you know, I was a very good coach that first year, um, but I really enjoyed it. Um, but after that year, I went out to a middle school. My first uh, my second daughter was born, She, you know, and I, I just that was my only year ever in teaching where I did not coach my second year teaching in, in Palm Beach County. And then my wife and I decided, you know, for, for education, let's move back to where I grew up in Massachusetts. And I, I coached uh, Canton public schools. I, I was the freshman boys coach at Canton high school for, for two years. And um, to be honest, I, I wasn't a very good teacher. Um, I, I struggled in the classroom. Like I said, I didn't have a degree in education. Um, I wasn't asked back after two years. And, and so I was looking for a job and my wife said, you know, do you want to move to San Antonio? That's where her parents were. And I said, hell, I mean, why not? I mean, I don't have a job and I need to work and it's cold here. So let's just go. So we packed up, we, we moved cross country. Uh, I was able to secure a, a middle school teaching job in San Antonio at a brand new high school. Um, and it was from there, I, I kind of lucked out, um, I got around some, some really good people, uh, helped me become a better teacher, a uh, better coach, uh, spent uh, three years t- coaching football, basketball, and track. So just imagine that uh, all year round, middle school coaching, it's kids, uh, great, you know, football, Texas football. You're out scouting on Friday nights uh, for the high school. I mean, you're just doing things you've never done before, but, but you're really learning. Um, and then after three years uh, there, um, I, I was able, uh, 2007, six, seven school year, was able to get a um, high school teaching job in the town we were living. So it's Bernie, Texas, which is about 10 miles west of San Antonio. I-10, like you're going to El Paso, boom, you're right there, Bernie, Texas. Great town. Uh, we lived there. My kids were going to school there, um, my two oldest kids. And 
I was able to become the um, assistant girls basketball coach. I coached the freshman team and um, it, it was great. I did that for two years at Bernie high school and the town had voted to open a new high school because they were growing and they were going to split the town. And, and so champion high school opened up. So I was able to go over to this champion, same town, same athletic program, but a brand new school, brand new. It's nothing like opening up a brand new school. You get to create your own identity. And, um, and, and really, I, I just got around some very, very great mentors. Um, my first six years, I think it was, um, I, I worked under a guy by the name of John Tate. And I uh, was the first uh, lead assistant on the basketball team, uh, uh, girls basketball team. I coached the freshmen, sometimes the JV team, kind of just depending on what year. And we had some great teams. Uh, I mean, I'm telling you, girls basketball, uh, you know, we played against really good teams, uh, 5A girls basketball in the state of Texas. I mean, uh, two years in a row, we played against Megan Simmons uh, from Steele High School. She was the number two player in her class. She went to Tennessee. Um, it, it was just great. Great learning. Uh, after six years of, uh, of that, Coach Tate's decided to step down and and be the cross country coach. And he actually just won two state championships as a cross country coach. And, and, and when he stepped down, I decided, you know what? Um, it, it was time for me to see if I could get back to the boys side. And, and I asked uh, coach Leach, who was our AD and our head boys basketball coach, if, if I could become an assistant and he was losing assistant. And he so gratefully took me on. I mean, you're talking about if you, if you go into the state of Texas and you look up Stan Leach, He's one of the top probably 30 coaches ever in the state of Texas. He has 832 wins. Um, so I got to spend three years working with a guy who, when it came to coaching the game, there's no better on, on the bench coach could handle the in and outs of the game. And you just sat there and watched and learned. And the best part is he, he lets you do things. He lets you run practice. He lets you coach the defense. He lets you break down film and come to him. Like it's just that that type of mentorship, helping others grow in their craft that, that I really appreciated. And, and I owe a lot to him. Um, you know, uh, we talk, uh, you know, try to talk at least once a week. And, and um, you, know, you know, my love for those coaches that, that really help others grow, I, I couldn't appreciate more. Um, and so, at that point, you know, in my third year, I, I was actually coaching and teaching in Texas. My family had already moved here. Uh, most people don't realize I, I spent one half of a year or more than a half a year in Texas while my family was already here in New Jersey. Um, my wife got a job at Columbia University, um, and I wasn't certified in the state of New Jersey to teach yet. And we really couldn't go on one income. So um, I decided to stay back and teach and coach while my wife was here with my two youngest kids. And, um, you know, uh, that was tough. Um, and, uh, after that season ended my third year as, as coach Leach's assistant, um, I think it was 2017, uh, season, uh, I resigned. I, I got a, um, uh, long-term sub position at Burgerfield high school. And then I interviewed for the job uh, at, at Fort Lee and I got a history teaching job. And, and it just happened that that head coaching job was open. 
I mean, to be honest, I, I didn't, I didn't interview for any other coaching positions. I wasn't really interested. Um, I'm not one of those. I feel like, you know, I'm at that school. If they need me to coach, I'll coach. Um, Texas kind of taught me that way. It's really nice to have coaches in the building, see your kids every day, see them in the hallways when they don't do what they're supposed to do. You know, that's what you're, that's what you're there to do, um, is to get them to do the things they're supposed to do, uh, mentor those kids. And so, you know, um, Mike Rafferty, our AD, you know, he asked me if I would be interested in coaching. I, I basically, I said, I'll be interested in coaching as long as I can coach it my way. Um, as long as I coach my way, I'm interested in coaching. Otherwise, I, I really don't have any interest in coaching. I've done this 20 plus years, um, never really sought to be a head coach, really. I never sought a head coaching job. I, I always just, I, I love the process. I, I love the game. I love working with kids, um, assistant, head coach, doesn't matter. Um, and, and so for three years, you know, I, I've been lucky to be the head coach at Fort Lee. I'm blessed uh, around great kids or, uh, you know, co- teaching a really good school. Um, in this fourth year, I'm really excited for, for our upcoming season. Coach, I appreciate your honesty about your early in your journey when you said I, I just wasn't a good teacher. And, um, you know, in here in South Carolina, I'm a high school AD and, there have been coaches, whether I've gotten to work with them directly or at schools that are around us that are great coaches and that just do a very poor job in the classroom and, and schools have to part ways. Uh, so talk about that. We have a lot of young listeners, a lot of young up and coming listeners uh, that want to move up in the coaching world, especially in high school. So talk about what you learned through that process, how you got to be a better teacher and just the overall importance of being a teacher while being a coach? Well, I think, you know, getting around good mentors, whether you're going to be a coach or a teacher, you have to find some people that, you know, that are willing to, to, to mentor you and show you, you know, there's always a better way. Um, and that, you know, obviously, you know, growing up and going to school in the 1980s, you know, early 90s, the graduate high school, 1991, Teaching then is different than teaching today. Kids are different than they are today. Um, you have to adapt with the times. And, and I just got around really good people um, that were willing to show me, you know, different techniques. Just like I don't coach basketball the same way I coached it, you know, when I started 20 years ago. Even the girls I started with in Texas, they would tell you, you're, you're so different now than you were then. Well, the kids are different today. Doesn't mean I don't hold them to the same accountability. It's just the message is different. Sometimes you have to take a different approach. And I think it's the same thing with the classroom. Um, and, and, I, and, you know, sometimes it's maturity too. You know, maybe I was more open to the message. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, it, I, I tell my players the same thing. Sometimes the hardest lessons, the best lessons are the ones you learn the hardest. And, and sometimes when it's really painful, you know, you're going to stand up and, 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 and you either fight or flight, you take notice. And, and there's, there's nothing wrong with, with stumbling, you know, um, there's nothing wrong uh, with it. You know, and it's just, I try to send a message in the classroom too. Guys, it's okay to get something wrong. You got to get wrong to get it right. Um, you know, I always use the phrase guys, it's either we, we win or learn. We don't lose. 
Um, and, and that's hard in today's world for, for kids to hear that message, but I think adults need to hear it too. Uh, I think teachers need to hear it. I think sometimes we forget that, you know, we're servants, um, to lead, you have to serve first. If you're not willing to serve, you can't be a leader. Um, and, and, and so sometimes the teachers need to hear that message too. It's, it's, I will say it, 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 it was much easier in Texas to hear that message when there's no tenure. Um, just to be honest with you, uh, when, you know, every year you're signing a one-year contract and, and you got to put food on the table, uh, it's, it, it, it's a little bit different. You know, you're willing to get up at 6 a.m. And uh, most people don't realize coaches in Texas drive their own school buses. I mean, when, when you drive a bus 120 miles to a game, at seven o'clock and then you're returning at nine 30, got to put the bus away, got to sweep it off, got to get back in your car, drive home, get back up for practice at 6 a.m. the next day. You, you kind of learn what being tough is um, and, and doing the job. That's your job. Do your job. Um, and so I, I just, I'm grateful for what I've gone through and, and for where I'm at. I think it's just made me a better person, coach, teacher, um, try to mentor kids. I, th- I think it's just, it's helped me all around. Uh, Brian, I don't know what the hell to ask anymore. Cause he just hit a home run with that entire answer. I mean, yeah, the guy just yeah. absolutely just crushed the ball like Fernando Tatis jr. I mean, just, uh, just an unbelievable answer. I, I feel bad now that I get to take a bus and I'll have to drive my own bus coach. You re- <laughs> <laughs> well, Hey, I, I'm, you know, there's nothing greater when I get on that bus to go over to, <laughs> to Cliffside Park, or even when I'm going over to Pascack Hills, I'm like, oh, I got to do a sit here. I don't have to <laughs> drive. I don't have to. I, I'm, I'm like, I don't even know what to do with myself half the time. Now, wait, the eight-mile drive from Fort Lee High School to Pascack Hills High School could take as long as a 120-mile drive in Texas now. Sometimes, so yes. <laughs> you talked a little bit about Coach Leach and, and the mentorship that, that he had. I was going to ask specifically about him because you mentioned him in, in the stuff you sent us. Talk about working for, um, and I'm, I'm going to kiss Brian's butt here. Talk about working for ADs and good ADs. I know Coach Rafferty really well and, and the programs that he has there at Fort Lee. And you said Coach Leach was also the AD as well as the head boys coach. Talk about, you know, working with your AD, what you look for, what makes a good AD, and what makes that relationship positive. Well, you know, every AD, you know, has to know the culture of their school. Um, and, and the culture of the school board. And, and, and I, I give credit to both Mike Rafferty and, and Stan Leach. They know their community that they're working in. They know their school board. Um, they know how to handle situations. It's not always the way I want it. I mean, listen, you know, there's times I can't get Mike on the phone and can't get an answer. And then of course, I'll call John and say, John's yeah, but like, and he'll say, Adam, He's got a process. Just trust the process. He's going to do everything he can for you. And that is Mike. Mike's going to do everything he can for you. He's going to get you what you need. He's going to, you know, if you want to use the gym, but it's not on your timeline always. And, and, And I respect that. I respect that he knows how to get the things he wants done. And the same thing for coach Leach, you know, um, coach Leach, you know, imagine, being in the same school district for over three, uh, for 30 years, going from teaching history and being a football basketball coach to becoming AD, 
basketball coach in a small town and in a football state where most ADs are football coaches and he's a basketball coach in the AD. So you can imagine the, all the intricacies that he has to go through just being that AD and dealing with uh, all those pieces. And, um, you know, I, I remember it was my second year at Bernie High School and Coach Leach was doing his end of the year reviews with coaches. He calls me in and he says, Adam, you're a good coach. but There's one thing you have to do is not everything is the end of the world. Sometimes you just have to relax and let the process work out. And I remember that to this day, because like, you know, uh, and the younger coaches, a lot of times it's, you know, oh, everything is a big deal. Everything's a big deal. And, and really, you know, uh, most things aren't a big deal. You know, most things just kind of work themselves out. If you just relax a little bit and, you know, those words always stick and, you know, his mentorship has been great and it, it still is great. Um, and, and, you know, those guys really get what, what they're doing. They're, they're there for the kids. They're there for the community. They're there for their coaches. Um, but they also support the education, the principals and, and that part as well. So I really respect those guys. Coach, you know, the name of the podcast is the, the greatest games and you, I tell you what you set, I believe you set the standard when it comes to actually sending in information before the show, a little peek behind the curtain. We've talked about it a little bit, but uh, when coaches, we, we invite you on, we, we send you a link, you send out information, send in the information. You've got a ton of games on here. That's some <laughs> of your greatest games. And we love that. There are a couple, though, especially one that I want to take you back to and and have you tell us about it if you're open yes, to sir. it. 2018-2019, you beat Paramus Catholic in a holiday tournament. And I want to I, I want to hear more about that because I, the more I've learned about New Jersey basketball, um, I, I believe I want to hear about it. Now, Chris is, is raising his hand. He's saying, whoa, 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 we might have some controversy. Go ahead, Chris de Blasio. Coach Schrager, don't say a word. We always have a trivia question. Something comes up on the podcast, and I ask Brian a trivia question, and he gets it wrong. Okay, always that's the tradition. <laughs> so yeah. he's going to talk about this game where he beat Paramus Catholic High School. What former guest of the Greatest Games <sighs> podcast it was the coach and is the coach at Paramus Catholic High School? Was the coach when he won this game? Oh, my goodness. I can see his face. I... I don't want to cheat and go back through the list here, Chris de Blasio. Go ahead and embarrass me one more time so you can sleep well tonight. That is Mike Dodo, who we had on with the 2015 oh. Crestkill team that he coached and I was an assistant on. Coach, I would not have got Coach Mike right. Dodo. So go ahead, Coach. Tell us about the game. Well, right. yeah, I'll right. give you a little side tidbit. Me and Mike Dodo went to Hofstra together, so I, so I know Oh, Mike my God. That, that's, that's crazy. Not that 19, I did not know. 1991 and 95, you know, Mike was, was obviously a football player and, and, and well-known at Hofstra. I was just some little fraternity guy. and But but I know Mike. I know uh, his fraternity brothers, um, football guys, and and Mike's a great guy. Um, that, that evening, you know, um, it, it's our holiday tournament. 
I'm a brand new coach. Like I didn't have a choice in who was in this holiday tournament. I didn't set the schedule. I didn't even set the schedule for the tournament, like who I'm playing. I, I have, you know, I have no clue. Um, I, I was hired as the head coach like four weeks before the season started, you know. So we're 0-3 going into this tournament. And, and, you know, it was a tough beginning. You know, it's Dwight Morrow to start the season off. And then it was Westwood and Ramsey, I think. Uh, and don't hold me to that, but but I know it was three really tough games. You know, Dwight Morrow was really good at that time, and we pushed him and almost beat him in that opening game at our gym, and it was a great night. But then we lose to Westwood, and then we lose to Ramsey, and we're 0-3, and I'm brand-new coach, and I've never been a head coach before, so I'm 0-3 in my career, and I'm going into this tournament, I'm like, well, we need some wins. And, and so we beat Lynnhurst. Oh, we're, we're one in three. I get my first win. Okay. So knock that off, you know, and then we beat old Japan. Oh, we're two in three, but now we get, you know, Paramus Catholic. And of course I'm, I'm not from New Jersey. I, you know, and I've heard, okay, Catholic schools and I understood Massachusetts kind of the same way, you know, Severian high school, Catholic Memorial, like the same kind of deal. I grew up in that. So I, I knew they were going to be pretty good. I watched them play in our tournament, you know, and I, I just say it was the perfect storm because we're in our gym. It's packed. Um, our guys are fired up. I had a pretty good senior-led team with, with Wasley and, and uh, Avant. And, and then I had Lewis, and we could shoot the ball. And we couldn't miss that night. I, I, I want to say we were probably plus 40% from the three-point line. You know, we're just coming down, firing threes, hitting them from six feet behind the three-point line. Mike's got his hands up. You know, we're playing zone. They're confused, you know. Um, and, and to be honest, it, it, it was the perfect night for us, um, you know, to, to end that three and three. And because that was a very hard league we were in. You know, we're talking, you know, for me, it was, you know, I had to play Ramsey, Pascac Hills, uh, Mawa, you know, these are league games, you know, and I'm like, we got to get some wins before we get back into some of these league games again. And just to walk out of that tournament to be three and three, to have beat Paramus Catholic, to, to win our tournament um, after a few down years for, for the team um, in regards to maybe some character wins and just maybe a good feeling. Um, and I, I think that was a, a big program win um, for us. Um and it was nice for, for, for Wasley he played really good. And for Lewis, um, uh, I, I think it was, it was just, it was just exciting for, for the Fort Lee people, uh, for the Fort Lee fans, uh, that evening, um, as far as like, you know, we won by 17. So it's not even like it was end of the game plays. It was, we really had them confused. And I, I mean, I, I Mike kind of looked at me like, you know, and I'm like, just our night. I, I just felt like it was our night. That's awesome, Coach. I'm now, I don't know if you know this, but I coached with Mike for five years at Creskill. Yeah, Mike's a good coach. Tough on his kids. Was, you think? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was the good guy, so I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was easy to be the good guy when you're yeah, in the Yeah, around mine, you can be the good guy. <laughs> um, so you talk about the tournament, and it actually – you said you didn't get to pick who you played, 
but it sort of worked out. You play a group two school in Lyndhurst. Yeah. Not great. So you get a win. Then that builds, you play a group three program in old Japan. That's pretty good. And then step it up to Paramus Catholic, one of the parochial schools here in Jersey. After you'd won those first two against Lyndhurst and old Japan. Okay. You're two and three. You feel like the message is getting across a little bit. The kids believe you now because you actually won a game. That winning that first game is so important because the kids actually believe what you're saying. What was your thought process going into the Paramus Catholic game? I, I just told the guys, hey, you know, I don't care who they are. Like, if you do what I ask you to do and, and we play hard and, you know, my message a lot is, guys, like, through the course of the game, whatever happens, just try to get to that next play quicker than the other team. Um, and, and that's kind of been my philosophy since taking the Fort Lee job is that guys, I don't care if you score. I don't care if you turn the ball over what's next is most important. And I, I thought if we could play with that type of energy and just worry about what's next, um, that we'd have an opportunity to beat them. Now that I think we're going to win by 17 and, no, I didn't think that. I thought it was we could keep it a close game and have a chance. I, I, one of the things Coach Leach always taught me, you know, when, when I worked with him was to catch a big fish, certain things have to happen. You know, you go fishing, you want to catch a big fish. And I, I would consider, you know, premise Catholic for us, that was a big fish. I, I got to keep the game close. I got to shoot well. And then I got to get a few breaks somewhere, maybe some officiating, maybe something. And, and, and then you have a chance to catch a big fish. I, I, that's what I was thinking. And, and a lot of times that's, that's always my thinking when I'm playing teams that I think, you know, hey, uh, talent's not always equal. Let's just be honest. You know, in, in, in our situations, talent's not always equal. Sometimes it's just not fair. Like you go and, and team's more talented. You want to be the more talented team. You got to get some breaks. You got to shoot well. And then maybe you get a few calls that, that just help you along the way or, or turnover too. And, and you got a chance at the end to win. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's one of the things I learned from Coach Leach. Hey, Coach, you, you mentioned before you got this job that you, you would take the job if you could coach your way. And it's fascinating for me as a, as a guy, as a podcast host, to be able to meet coaches like you and just get to know you in 20 or 30 minutes and start to think, I wonder what his way is. And so what is your way? Because I've got this picture in my mind just as you filter through some of the things that Coach Lee uh, Lee's talked to you about. Uh, you just seem very methodical, very even keeled, very – I got the impression that your your kids just play very, very smart, almost backdoor cuts, just very fundamentally sound. So what is your way when it comes to coaching? And that led you to a 17-point victory over a big-time program. Well, I would love it if my kids were disciplined and cut backdoor sometimes. Uh we actually play really fast. Okay. Um, we're about space and pace. Um, we want to play fast. We want to be up-tempo. Um, we're not big, so, so we got to get teams chasing us, um, and, and we got to shoot the ball well. Um, and, and for us, that's, that's important. Um, my way is really that, you know, it's hard when – there's resistance uh, on, on different levels. And so, so for my way is that the program's mine and, and, and really 
the direction of the program is, is going to be what I want it to be. And that I really believe that the best thing you can do for kids is to be honest with them. Um, so I define roles real quick for players and, and everybody has a role. Um, every role is important. You might not like your role, but you have to accept your role. And if you don't like your role, work harder for a bigger role, but that doesn't mean you always get a bigger role. And, and, and my kids know that my players know that, um, they know that, you know, I, I, I believe in that I'm the role definer. You have to accept the role and, and parents have to accept that too. And, 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 and that's kind of what I mean by the program has to be my way. Like parents need to come through me, not to the AD. Um, because it's important for the program to be successful is that the players have to know that the coach has their best interest and has the team's best interest. And I think what's forgotten in a lot of this is that, you know, everything is about relationships. And so if you're honest with the kids and they know that you're being honest, Hey, I tell them I love them all the time. And, and, and love means sometimes I got to tell you some things you don't want to hear. Like, Hey, you're part of the team, but, you have a non-playing role. Like you're only going to play if we're up 20 down 20. And, and if, if that hurts and, and you can't handle that, then that's okay too. And, and, and I'll still love you, but you know, my responsibility is to the program and to the team and to try to put the best team out there to win games. And, and I think if kids know these things, they appreciate it much more. And, and so that's what, that's kind of, how I run things. Um, my kids know straight up where I'm coming from all the time. Um, and, and, and they know they can come talk to me. I, I give you an example. You know, last year we've only played 15 games in the state of New Jersey. And I started a really young team. Okay. I started a freshman, two sophomores, one junior, one senior. So we were super young and I did it for a reason. I, I, I knew we needed the 15 games to get better for this year. And one of my sophomores who, you know, he was first team all league this year. Um, he, he may be first or second best player in the league coming this year as a junior. I mean, he's a really good player. And a uh, couple games in a row, man, I just was, I was tearing into him. I just, I, you know, there's some things I didn't like. And, you know, he's hearing it from me from the bench. And he comes into me one, you know, one afternoon and says, Coach, can I talk to you? I said, Isaiah, my door is always open for you. He said, coach, I think he could yell at me a little less. I think I might play better. I said, Isaiah, you know what? You're probably right. I probably should yell at you a little bit less. So I'm going to yell at you a little less, but I want you to do those things I've been yelling at you to do. And for the last like four games, he averaged like 20 points. I uh, was tremendous. Um, but that's, that's how that relationship works. And, and, and that's kind of what I mean by I needed to be my way. Um, and I think that's, you know, how programs are successful and success doesn't have to be wins and losses. Success is just a program that, that shows, you know, character, um, kids that play hard. Um, cause you know, we all know, you know, it's not a fair world. You, you don't, you don't always get to pick and choose your players. Sometimes you got, you know, you just don't have the talent, but 
you can teach them to play hard. You can teach them to play the right way, uh, respect the officials, respect the game. Um, and, and I think that's important. I just fell in love with you with the last part of the answer when you said respect the officials. I'm big on that. Well, Chris, <laughs> my first year was tough. You know, Wasley put me in some – my first two years, Chris, were real tough. I love Wasley, but, you know, he, he, he was tough with the officials, and the officials didn't really like me. And I, I tried to explain to them. I would try to talk to them, and it was tough. And then, and then in my second year, I had another player where he ended up quitting, but, you know, I had problems. And I've worked really, really hard with my guys to play the game don't put your hands out and ask the officials for anything. Your hands out, palms out, that, that's begging. We can't be beggars. You want something, go get it. Go get it. And again, like my philosophy is next play. So like if you're sitting there arguing with the official about what just happened, you can't get to the next play quicker. That other team's already on to the next play and you're still worried about the last play. We can't win games that way. And so... That's, that's tough for kids. You know, it, it's tough. But you know, we just played in the fall league game yesterday, uh, Sunday morning at Clifton. And, of course, I can't coach them, but I'm yelling from the, the bleachers, like, don't talk to the officials. Like, I'm telling them, you know, next play, don't talk. Don't put your hands out. You know, just play basketball. And I, I think if they learn that part, we teach this game because we want to, I, I might have put it in here. You know, my thing is about teaching kids to be better, uh, better young men, hopefully better husbands, fathers, and better workers. Well, how do you do that? You teach them skills that will apply to later on in life. Like arguing with people about something doesn't help later on in life. You know, figure out a solution, move on and, and continue to work. Um, I think losing games teaches kids like, you know, um, how, how do you get over losses? You know, you get over them by, by, you know, moving on to the next thing. Like, it's okay. Um, and, and so I love to win games, but I love kids, young adults more than winning games. So I'm going to coach them like I love them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I love that whole thing about officials. I always say to my kids and, and why I don't argue with officials is because I get paid to coach you guys, not argue with officials. Every, like you said, every second they spend arguing with an official, they can't move on to the next play. Well, it's the same for me. If I spend time, then I'm not coaching you, which is what, Absolutely. which is what I'm charged to do. So yeah. I, I like that a lot. So some people don't agree with me. I don't care. And you know, what's you know, what's funny, Chris, like when we're playing games and my wife comes to the gym, she's somewhere around here and, and she'd come over and tell you it's the truth. When I do get in those moments where I'm like bothered by the officials, I can look up in the stands and my wife will give me those eyes, like knock it off. Cause she knows like there's, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing to be won by that. You're, you're just, you're, you're diverting energy that you need to win to help your players and, and you're diverting it towards something else that that's not going to help. Um, there's, 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 it, it, it's done with, and we all have that problem. Um, and that's why, you know, Hey, 
everybody has to work on these things. Even me, mm -hmm. I tell the kids all the time, like I'll go in the locker room. Hey guys, I did a terrible job coaching. And they need to hear that too. They need to hear that as much as a coach going in, you guys were terrible tonight. Like they need to hear, Hey, I, I messed up. I shouldn't have got a technical there or, or, or I should have, you know, I should have changed defenses there. I wasn't into the game, guys. They need to hear that as much as sometimes the coach ripping them for losing. They they need to know that everybody's human, accountable. Everybody makes mistakes. I totally agree. I that whole last part, Brian. You still with us? Hey, well, uh, I'm letting <laughs> y'all go back and forth, coach. <laughs> Obviously, talking about our referees, it's, that's huge for me too. But you talk about the the lessons that can be learned from losing. And how, to me, such a, such a beautiful thing that we get to do that as high school coaches and high school administrators. We're not going to get fired, likely. I mean, there are exceptions, obviously, all over this country um, for, for losing. But what we are teaching these kids through the losses, through the failures, hey, get back up, we're going to do it again. That's, those are the lifelong skills that, that, that matter. And yes, I'm an administrator and yes, I love that, that we hoist state championship trophies at Ridgeview high school. That's awesome. But the thing, and I'll talk about my, my boys basketball coach, cause he's won three. The thing that I love the most about him. And I told him this the other day is the relationships that he has with those kids that he, that he is honest with them and tells them, Hey, you're probably not going to play a whole lot and you are. And, da, 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 and, it, and the, Oh, by the way, they win a lot too. And that's, that's great. But it's just the, serving back to what you're talking about earlier serving kids as adults to help them grow that's it that, that's all we're doing in my opinion well and, and, and anybody can win games let's just be honest like i can go find and win games and, and again one of coach leach's favorite lines was winning is the greatest deodorant like like we win games doesn't mean we're really good like sometimes a really great loss is better than beating a team that you should beat by 30 like like there's lessons and, and, and I always tell the kids, you know, they go in and a couple of phrases I always use is don't get too high after a win and too low after a loss. Cause that's how life is. Like don't get too high after something great happens to you and don't get too low. Like learn how to work through the peaks and valleys of life. Um, and, 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 you know, I always tell them, Hey guys, if we had won that game, what's outside that door. Is there a new power? I mean, are you going home to a different house? I mean, it, it, nothing's going to change. So don't let the winning and losing change who you are. Okay. Learn how to grow with it. Learn how to accept winning, learn how to accept losing. Um, and, and, and hopefully those messages hit home. I mean, you know, you hope that that is, you know, you have great kids. Like I had Lewis Armis who I think all the messages I gave him hit home. And, and then you have kids that, you know, uh, it, it doesn't, and, but, but that's, same thing in education, the classroom. Um, if you can reach a few kids every year, man, that's, that's, you, you, you've done your job. And I, I, it's been a while, Blas. I've got to tell the story again. It's probably been about 50 or 60 episodes. So I got to tell this again. Sure. We'll wrap it up. Uh, so coach, I was coaching as my last year. I think it was my last year coaching JV basketball before I got this job. And, uh, I stole a segment from the Kenny Patiznak, who was at East Carolina at the time as an assistant. Uh, they were doing a segment during practices called Five Bad Calls. And so this is all about all around teaching kids to not react to referees, just understanding that referees are going to miss calls. So the segment practice was Five Bad Calls. And I believe, if I remember right, they would let the kids scrimmage go up and down, and the coaches 
would officiate the game and they would on purpose blatantly miss calls. You know, a kid would catch a rebound clearly in bounds, like, whoop, 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 foot's on the line, going the other way. And the kid, what do you, uh, 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 hey, it's got to keep playing. It's got to keep playing, just reinforcing over and over just bad calls. And this was uh, that year, uh, I guess, like I said, my last year coaching JV basketball, I decided I'm not going to say a word to an official. Um, we're at home, referee misses a call, I mean, blatantly misses a call right in front of our bench. And I stood up to go say something to him. And Trey High runs over, he's my point guard, runs over to me and says, Coach, 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 don't worry about it. It's just five bad calls. Turns around and runs back down the floor. And I'm like, <laughs> whoa, he taught me. And it's so like it was just that constant reinforcement. So I think it's sometimes it's easy for us as coaches to say, don't talk to the officials. Don't. And I think kids, just, they just get, they just clench their fists like, oh, what? but I want to, I want to, he missed that call. But giving them that repetition in practice and just seeing some oh, yeah. looks that kids give me, you know, like, oh, that was no foul. What are you talking about? You know, and so anyway, just, I love that segment, five bad calls. That's great. <laughs> I recommend it to, to anybody. The great Kenny Pataznak for, for that recommendation. So, uh, Coach, I could talk to you for hours. I, 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 the next time I talk to you, I would like to hear your plans for your book and when it's going to come out because I think you've got one in there. But this has been really, really great. We appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, thanks so much. I, I appreciate you guys having me. I appreciate what you guys do. I mean, you're giving up time in your evening to talk to people and hear their stories. Um, that's a lot of credit to you guys. Um, so I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here tonight. Well, we appreciate it, Coach. We'll go ahead and put a button on this one. For my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I am Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games. <laughs>